to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson, and in case you're not sure, it's Saturday, April 25th, 2020 at noon. I just wanted to share in case you've lost all track of time like I have. I'm not sure about you, but the concept of weekends and weekdays have lost all meaning for me. What I do know for sure, though, is that Canadian women are stepping up in a big way during this pandemic, taking charge on the front lines and juggling like pros at home. And this week, I'm chatting with a few of them, like Nadine Silverthorne, who wrote an article recently for Today's Parent about co-parenting in a pandemic. Just another area that has been touched by this crisis and is changing how parents are looking at switching homes. As if we are not dealing with enough heartache, Canadians are reeling from the devastating massacre in Nova Scotia this week and are trying to understand how one grieves alone, as COVID-19 is preventing us from having funerals and end-of-life celebrations. Linda Stewart, a life cycle celebrant, joins me to discuss how Canadians are gradually starting to find ways to grieve the loss of loved ones in the era of physical distancing. Parents are still busy looking for new and creative ways to keep their kids' brains active. And Ivy Wong from the Ripple Foundation is here to share details about the free Write It workshop that kicks off today online. Anne Brody uses film to point out that things always could be worse with a list of movies that might have you counting your blessings that were only dealing with coronavirus. As always, She's also sharing the best and brightest on streaming services this week. I pulled in Dr. Claudia Macchiella from 105.9 The Region's Wellness Prescription to share some best practices to master working at home as we all struggle with this new reality. And finally, Lara Wellman wants people to know that the best way is sometimes the easy way. So let's ease into this week's show starting now. I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that you could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So let's get a a Meridian five-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. Parenting can be challenging at the best of times, even for those that seem to do it all with ease. For most, though, it's a constant juggling of schedules and life that keeps everybody on their toes. Throw in a pandemic, and now suddenly everything is up in the air, including whose house is safer to be at, and if everyone is following the same social distancing rules at each house. Joining me now to discuss co-parenting during COVID is Nadine Araxi Silverthorne, a co-parenting mom, media boss, writer, and life coach. 
Nadine recently wrote an article for Today's Parent called We Thought We Had Co-Parenting Down, Then the Pandemic Happened, and is here today to share some tips for getting through this crisis with your ex and your children. Welcome to the show, Nadine. Hi, thanks for having me, Candice. So I read that article with fascination because, you know, you just, this pandemic hit and we just didn't have any idea how many aspects of our life this would affect. And so co-parenting is absolutely one of them. And you made the decision to take your children 100% of the time during this. So what led you to that choice? So it was about a week in, and my ex had just moved up the street to be closer to us after three years uh, post-separation with more room for the kids. And so we'd been doing this hybrid of nesting where really I have the kids maybe 70% of the time. Um, So he's very involved in their life. He is definitely more the fun parent. There's always a fun parent. It's usually the dad. Sorry, dad. And, you know, I'm more the logistics and whatnot. And so we decided mutually that it was probably best if the kids stayed here 100% of the time during this, and then we'd figure out a way to do distance visits. I mean, there's a lot of parents out there with, you know, obviously different schedules, you know, one week on, one week off, you know, weekends. It's, it's all over the place. Everybody's got different um, co-parenting schedules. So during a pandemic, do we let that go? There's so many factors at play. For example, do you get along with your ex? Are you in communication with your ex? Are you parallel parenting or co-parenting? Um, do you trust your children's you know, other parent to make the right safe decisions? Are they following health guidelines? How do you come to an agreement? So I think, yes, definitely there's things we have to let go. So we actually decided um, that this week they'll probably start going over there again because and and we're going through the list of protocols of what works and what doesn't so and there's also i think the problem or not the problem but the issue of sort of blended families on either side as well and other uh players in and out of the house at the other house and vice versa which again creates this whole problem of spread um yeah you know and juggling all of that so there really does have to be some frank discussion around Who's in the house? Where's everybody going? You know, to, 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 to prevent this. Yeah. Like if we all care about these kids or if we all care about, you know, spreading to grandparents or what have you, some people have grandparents in the household, you know, how, what actions can we be taking all of us? Cause it's easy when no one around you is sick to feel this complacency or this, this false sense of security um, and the truth is, and I, I've read everything there is to read about it, I feel like, you know, there aren't clear answers. They can't definitively say, like, if you get this, you will not get it again. They can't definitively say masks work or they don't work. Washing your hands, we know it's a fragile virus and washing your hands and cleaning things is good. Do you need to wash your groceries? Are they washing groceries there? But it's important to you to wash groceries in your house, like all these things. So it's definitely, I think, a hotbed, especially for families who are dealing with communication issues. And I feel for you, um, the potential for arguments and conflict is really hard. For us, the measure is always what's in the best interest of the kids. And we've been able to maintain that and maintain a friendship where we can manage that way, almost like we're working on a project together and that project is the kids. Um, 
But yeah, it's super hard. How do you decide? I think the most important thing, regardless, is having a plan of what happens if someone in your household comes down with symptoms. What is the plan for that? Um, if someone is going out of the house, you know, what protocols are they taking when they come in the house? Are they um, taking off their clothes immediately and throwing them in the wash and having a full shower? I have a friend who runs a butcher shop and that's his protocol. Um, yeah, you need to, you need to get aligned on certain things. And for me, you know, um, he's asked to, to have them back and they miss him and I, he's important to them. I don't want to keep my kids from their dad, but I need a certain level of assurances that things will be followed to protect everybody involved. Right. And so, you know, some people might say, well, that means that, you know, you're for 14 days at one house and I know you're symptom free before you come back to my house for 14 yeah. days. Yeah. Um, or it might mean one parent just totally takes it over for the duration of this. However, you know, with suggestions that this might go 18 to 22 months, uh, could potentially be a very long time for everybody. Yeah. 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 Look, I think we're all learning about our own resilience through this and kids are highly adaptable. So as long as you're not, you know, trash talking the other parent or whatnot, and you're, you know, that like, it's in everyone's best interest. Of course, there's situations where you probably, you might not want the other parent involved at all. And I respect and understand that. Um, we are seeing rates of domestic violence go up. We're seeing all kinds of things as people are in confined spaces longer. But I think we're also learning what we can go without what really truly matters to us, um, how much we can withstand. We're all getting creative. I played bingo with my mom on FaceTime yesterday, uh, something I saw from another mutual group of friends that we have. And I think people are just getting very resourceful. So, And that's, and that's really what it's okay. going to be about for co-parents is, is being resourceful together. Uh, to find a way through this. Um, so the other thing you mentioned is that um, mental health sort of needs to come first for everybody. Yeah. So I wrote another article for Today's Parent. I had polled a bunch of parents around what is working for them with working from home and dealing with school. And a lot of it is just like, I think right now it's like, you can see my kitchen behind me. It's like, how much can you let go of right now? And I have a friend who's a therapist and she, she strongly believes like their mental health comes before everything right now. It's not about your kids trying to get A's, you know, if they get a lot of value for themselves through that, absolutely. Like don't rock the boat, but really checking in with everyone in your family e ecosystem to make sure like, are they okay? And if they're not working to get help for them, a lot of therapists are seeing people remotely. Uh, kids help phone just got a bunch of funding from the government, which is amazing. I think kids, you know, depending on their age level are having different ranges of emotions and, and, um, you know, behavior issues around this. And I think that's important for people who are co-parenting to have that discussion as well, because I know that in normal circumstances, sometimes the expectations and rules are different at every house. But I think creating that consistency right now uh, around expectations and what needs to get done is probably a little more important um, for everybody to get through this um, with some resiliency and, and feeling like um, they're not under more pressure than they need to be. Totally. I think both parents have to give a little. And sometimes that's hard because one parent might be the more driven, like, yes, yes, do your homework, 
person and one parent might be like, uh, my friend shared a video today, her kids were playing a driving game and they're teenagers and she called it driving school and I thought that was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> There's a spectrum, right? Um, so I think, you know, you, I think both sides have to figure out what they can let go of and choose your battles wisely. You, I would hate for anyone to have to deal with lawyers in the middle of this, especially there's so much financial uncertainty going on for various people. And um, I think the most important thing is remembering that, you know, if your kids are fed and alive, you're doing great. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You, I feel like we should get merit badges for all kinds of things, you know, right now, uh, because even the simplest things have become a big struggle. Oh, a hundred percent. I think, you know, uh, I really emphasize in my uh, coaching practice, really emphasize self-compassion. I think we all have to be so forgiving of ourselves. You wouldn't, want your kid to be beating themselves up. So why do we beat ourselves up to the level that we do? And I think, yeah, I just hope for everyone that they can find that peace and that middle ground with their um, co-parents and their co-parenting ecosystem to really get to a place where everyone is happy and healthy as best they can be through this. Cause it's a lot. It is. So if people want to read your article uh, in today's parent, where can they find that? So if you go to todaysparent.com and search Nadine Silverthorne, it should come up. A lot of articles that I've written for them over the years. Um, or they can follow me on uh, Twitter at Scarbydoll or reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook. I'm Nadine Aroxy. That's my middle name. Uh, so yeah, lots of places you can find me. Basically, if you Google me, you'll probably find me. Okay, incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today, Nadine. You're welcome. That was great. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Beretta beef, chicken, and pork are raised without antibiotics, hormones, and steroids. For the best of locally grown proteins, go to BerettaFarms.com and click on Online Shop. All orders over $200 receive free shipping within the GTA, and you can get 20% off your first order by using the promo code THEREGION. Shop Canadian raised meats and choose the quality of Beretta Farms for your family. Trying to keep the family busy at home? Crocodoodle Unionville is offering pottery painting kits with free home delivery in Markham and Stouffville. Choose your ceramic pieces from the gallery at crocodoodle.com Unionville and call in your order and payment info. Paint at home and we'll professionally kiln fly your masterpieces when studio business resumes. Have questions? Give us a call at 905-940-5670 or email us at unionville at crocodoodle.com. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Cause you're still here Oh, you're everywhere we've ever been As our self-isolation drags on, it has become more and more apparent that there is no area of our life that has been left untouched by COVID-19. Indeed, it has affected how we learn, how we parent, how we love, and even how we are born. But nowhere is the effect more felt than in how we die. 
Linda Stewart is a life cycle celebrant who creates and performs one-of-a-kind ceremonies for life's big and small moments. Specializing in funerals and weddings, Linda has always been a celebrant at heart, organizing celebrations, designing ceremonies, and reinventing rituals for as long as she can remember. Everything has changed in light of COVID-19, though, and today I invited Linda to join me to discuss how we can move forward with grieving during this crisis. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about grieving in general. So because, you, you know, we were talking about this before you came on, and we were saying that there's a lot of grieving going on just sort of for what we've lost in life. We tend to think of grief as something that we experience when someone we love dies but in fact grief is what we experience when when we lose something when we lose anything when we sometimes even when you know we can grieve what we never had we can grieve what we wish we'd had but never did have so right now i think it's safe to say that we are all experiencing some sort of loss some people have lost um, a loved one some people have lost their their privacy um, We've all, I feel like we've all sort of lost our sense of security and safety, um, which are things that we've, we've always had in, in, in particularly in this country. You know, it's a strange, it's a strange place that we're in. Some people have lost um, the ability to just have some solitude, which people are really craving. You know, I'm in the opposite end of the I spectrum. I can relate. <laughs> you have a house full of people. I do, I do. And not a moment of privacy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I think about, too, you know, about all the young people right now, um, speaking because I'm in a house with young people, and I think about all those moments of celebration that they're going to be missing in the coming months, you know, prom and graduation and convocation. Those are big moments, big celebratory moments that they're grieving right now because, you know, you're not going to get these moments back likely. No, no. And I think we're all walking around feeling sort of, it, it's it's interesting because I've noticed like some people seem to be walking around and they're like I can't seem to get anything done. I start to go and do something and I get distracted and 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 that's what you hear you hear people who are grieving who have experienced the death of someone that they love that someone they're close to they feel like they're you know they're just walking around in a fog all the time and that's that's what a lot of us are feeling and I don't know that everyone is identifying it as as grief. Probably probably not. But let's talk about grief as we know it. You know before before coronavirus and, and how physical distancing has changed how we grieve when people actually do pass away. I think it's human nature to want to come together, to congregate, to comfort and to be comforted by human touch when, uh, when, someone, when someone we love dies. Um, you know, words are great, I love words, but words, can't touch the place that a hug can it just it doesn't quite it doesn't quite hit the mark and that's just a huge part of our of how of how we are as human beings so we're being not only denied not only the people who have experienced the death are being denied that comfort from others but the people that want to do something don't know what they can do um, you know, they're, they're being denied. And I mean, it's, it's compounded. I think the sadness is just incredibly compounded by the fact that many people are dying alone. You know, people are dying without their families and families are grieving without their people. 
Right. And, you know, when people, uh, you know, typically, you know, when you want to comfort somebody, there's all those things that we do, you know, we bring food and casseroles and all of those things we do that to show that we care and, and we can't do those things now. Uh, so, so how are you finding um, ways to help people through the grieving process right now? Well, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different things going on right now, especially like when it comes to funerals. That's the big question is how do we have how do we have a funeral and can we have a funeral? And so what we're starting to see is some funerals are being live streamed, which is allowing a few people to attend and it's allowing more people to, to watch. Um, and I guess in, in the case of, in the situation where a body is perhaps not being cremated, but is being buried traditionally, then that would be something that a family may need to do is to actually, they have to have some, some sort of um, way to, um, to, to take care of this body. So a funeral can still happen, but I know that there are many people that feel, well, it's difficult looking at a room that's empty. Um, you know, you've got a person standing behind a podium speaking to a room full of maybe 10 people. And so that can sort of enhance the feelings of, of loneliness and isolation even more so. So there, I think there's more and more people that are opting for a future memorial. And the challenge with that is, of course, we don't know when that will be. We're hopeful that it will be sooner rather than later, but the reality is we really don't know when that will be. But a lot of families are choosing to wait. And, and uh, I support that decision, but I'm all, but I'm a little concerned about what they can do in the meantime because they, they right because you, like you said you can't put off grief you can't stop mourning yeah. uh, until the service happens. So uh, are we are we somehow prolonging this process for people by doing that? I mean, what, um, I, I suppose there's no right answer in this, is there? There's not, and you know I've worked with a lot of families in the past who have who have waited a period of time to have a memorial because they want to get it right. And time can be a blessing. It, it can be a blessing, especially if you, if you want to plan something that's beautiful and meaningful and really resonates and really honors that life. That's hard to turn that something that um, around in, in 48 hours in general. That's a, that's a tough call. So, so waiting is not always a terrible option. Um, but in the meantime, that's the concern is what do we, what can we do to sort of bridge the gap between between now and then, between um, the virtual hugs that we're getting now and the real hugs that we'll hopefully get uh, down the road. And so I think that's when we can use technology. We have, you know, we're talking right now. Normally I would, you wouldn't be doing this via Zoom, but we have Zoom now, we have FaceTime, we have Skype. So there are ways to create a virtual space for people to come into and have that sacred time where they can share stories. It could be a memory, a memory circle, um, you know, it could be that everybody lights a candle and shares a story and we can have a reading and we can do a lot of things virtually. And I know, you know, even for those people that are not um, computer savvy, there's options to call in. So there are ways to bring us together so that we can at least feel that sense of community and we're all in this and create little rituals and gestures, things that we can do over the period of time while we're waiting for that real life memorial. Yeah. And so have you had to deal with any, uh, any of this yet as, you know, as we, we're, we're into this a few weeks, has this sort of uh, shown up for you yet? Not yet, because I don't think people are quite, 
I don't think people have had long enough to sort of digest what's happening and what's available. And every business is sort of shifting in this, in this era that we're experiencing. So I think that it's about just letting people know that, you know, that it doesn't, they don't have to have a period of nothingness while they're waiting. So right now we're just trying to, to let everybody know that this is an option as a life cycle celebrant. You know, I, I specialize in creating one of a kind experiences for families and this is no different. There isn't really a one size fits all. It's, it's let me get to know you, let me get to know your family, let me get to know this person that's, that's died and let us create something together that will bridge the gap between now and down the road. So let's talk about something just a little bit happier for a second because you do weddings as well and we're heading into wedding season. So are you, are you dealing with panicked brides right now on how, how they will proceed or is it, are, are, thing, are people postponing? Where's that sort of sitting with you? Well, it depends when it's happening. So the, so the June weddings looks like, looks like that they, they are being postponed. I have, um, I have, uh, you know, some that are waiting until late fall and then there's others that have decided to wait until 2021 just to make sure that everything will be okay. But as you said, we don't really know. We don't really know, but we feel that we have a better chance for 2021 to work out. Um, and that, that's really tough for them too, because there's been so much uh, excitement and anticipation for this day. They want to, they want to tie the knot. They want to be surrounded by their friends and family. They can't imagine doing it any other way. So, um, and again, I just say to them, okay, well, we've got more time now to make it extra special. So and that's an excellent way to look at it. You know, um, it, it, it is a happy celebration. So that really is something that, that can wait if they want to. And if they really do need to tie the knot, they can still do that part of it, right? And have the celebration later on down the road with friends and family. Potentially, yes, they can. They can have a very small, I mean, we're, we're not, uh, it depends where you are in the world, but, um, you know, we've got restrictions as to how many people can gather. So uh, we do need a couple of witnesses. <laughs> so provided that's provided that and provided that the officiant is also comfortable. It also it comes down to a comfort thing too. I mean, people are, um, people are really concerned. They don't, they, the last thing they want is for their wedding to be the cause of any kind of illness for anybody down the road. So of course, of course. Concern. We want to keep it happy and light and, and what it's meant to be. Not a, not a time where we're stressing about, uh, about anything other than the cake. <laughs> okay. So, so if people want to get in touch with you then to talk about, you know, these, these, these moments in life that they could use some help with and some guidance, where can they find you? Um, I'm, I have, my website is linda-stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T dot C-A. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Linda Stewart Celebrant. Uh, and they, when they visit my website, they can give me a call or send me an email, whatever they feel more comfortable with. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Linda. This was, this was very helpful. I know people uh, are just starting to, you know, grapple with all of these different areas of their life that has changed. So um, this, this will be helpful for them. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Take care. Thought I saw you today. You were standing in the sun and you turned away. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect! 
Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Foundation is a volunteer-led Toronto-based Canadian charitable organization that fosters creativity and cultivates reading and writing in youth across Canada. Founded in 2015, Ripple creates free community programs for children and youth to improve their reading and writing skills, but also their creative flair and leadership skills. Ripple believes that cultivating creativity and education in youth has the potential to shape the leaders of tomorrow. Joining me now is Ivy Wong to discuss Ripple Foundation's Write It workshops, which are kicking off today. Welcome to What She Said, Ivy. Hi. This, Hi. Is, this is a very exciting initiative. So tell me about Write It workshops. So we've been doing the writing workshop. We did a test pilot back in 2018. Um, 2019, we were, our program was approved by Toronto Public Library. And so with that partnership, we've been delivering in-person uh, writing workshop at public libraries throughout Canada, uh, all volunteer lab, you know, uh, it's been pretty amazing, uh, targeting grade four to grade eights. So grade four to grade eight. Okay. That's good to know. Cause I was going to sign up for myself. I'd like to get my writing skills up there. <laughs> it sounds like such a great program. And with so many people at home and parents looking for ways to keep their kids um, occupied, your timing on this could not be better. Yes. So with this current situation, we just launched and um, we're piloting on this Saturday uh, doing a virtual workshop. So what we've done is that we have taken our existing workshops, okay, we have adapted it to create downloadable activity sheets so that kids can download and work on their own without the intervention of really quite an instructor or a parent aside. Um, you know, so they can continue and foster their creativity, their writing skills, you know, at home. And the Facebook Live is to facilitate all these activity sheets, you know, um, there will be an instructor, she'll be walking through, you know, uh, answering any questions that there will be. It's only 20 minutes, you know, and we're doing that for three consecutive Saturdays. So these are like master classes for writing for, uh, for youth. It's, it's, it's such a great way for kids to uh, um, develop their creative writing. And I think that in, in, given current circumstances, creativity is key to getting through this, isn't it? It is, it is, it is. So for the three classes, okay, they'll be talking about uh, plot creation, character developments, and how to brainstorm, right? So we're doing it in snippets uh, because we, we realize that, you know, we want to keep it very engaging and very succulent. Okay. So you have a, a mantra then. Um, so tell me about that. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, so we have uh, 
you know, the, the, the creative writing workshop is just one of the three program. And this is what we're focusing on. We also have a writing contest and we also have, you know, the wave blog, right? The mantra is really, we believe that by fostering creativity, you know, and having reading and writing skills, you know, will help you to bring the next skills in terms of leadership roles, you know, and stuff. So, yeah. And I would agree with that because I think that, you know, when you're able to, um, very explicitly state your feelings or uh, how you would like things to be, the more effective you are in life in general. Uh, yeah. So developing those skills through writing is such a great uh, skill to have. Um, so you have 80 workshops across Canada last year. Yes. And, and this, yeah. this and year, this, how many? Yeah, and this year so far we've already had 125 signed up, right? I'm sorry, um, this is across Canada, not just Toronto. Across Canada. Yeah, amazing. And puppet libraries. Um, and what's great about puppet libraries is that you know it's very community based, and so most of the volunteers that are volunteer at those puppet libraries are basically you know given back within their own community. You know, so that's something that's you know it's pretty it's pretty awesome. You know, and who are who are the people who are leading these workshops? You know, a lot of the volunteers. Some of them have full time jobs. You know, some of them are uh, recent grads. You know, uh, some of them are uh, stay at home parents. Right. So we provide all the online training, our lessons plan, you know, and all that virtually, right? Uh, it is a very low commitment because it's only one hour uh, on that Saturday for that. It's an after-school program, um, and each of the workshops, it's only one hour, right? So they can do one Saturday, like for one hour, you know, or a weeknight for one hour. Okay. So, um, so sorry, so set times then for this or whenever they have the time to get online? Um, so basically it is set time, you know, it is, it is, it, uh, it, it is really, really set time. Okay. So in terms of the physical, the in-person, they always have to go through a vulnerability check, you know, because they are dealing with kids, you know, and we tend to send at least a minimum of three volunteers per work workshops, uh, because with a class of 20 size, we want to make sure that, you know, um, they're in, working in a small group. So all the kids get a chance to participate. Okay, amazing. So if parents want to find out more about this, where can they find you online? Uh, RippleFoundation.ca. Okay, great. If that's that easy and they're in. Yes, that's it. It is very, very easy. Okay, thank you so much for joining me today, Ivy. I'm sure a lot of parents are going to take you up on this amazing offer uh, to keep their kids amused uh, during this pandemic. Won't you try to Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. At Town & Country Volkswagen, your safety has always been our top priority. And we want to let you know that even during these exceptional times, we have taken additional measures to ensure your safety. These include enhanced cleaning protocols on all high traffic areas and surfaces, including door handles, touchscreens, countertops, and more. We also fully sanitize each vehicle before and after a test drive and now offer touchless drop-off and pickup. Your safety is important to us, and we remain open to serve your needs. The Corn Beef House at 120 Whitmore Road in Vaughan is still open for curbside pickup and delivery. Yelp reviews describe their food as the best, excellent, and unforgettable. Even in these troubling times, their commitment to quality is unwavering. Open Monday to Saturday with delivery through Uber, Skip the Dishes, and DoorDash. We're all giving up a lot in these difficult times, but missing out on delicious deli does not have to be one of them. Go to cornedbeefhouse.com to see our full 
menu and to support local restaurants. Hey, it's time for another care package from 105.9 The Region, and this week's good neighbor is Chateau Le Jardin from Vaughn. Chateau Le Jardin is packing up some delicious traditional Italian food, over $300 worth, so enough for leftovers, and all deliver it to one lucky winner. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, tag a friend, and you are eligible for delivery of a traditional Italian food care package from Chateau Le Jardin. Contest closes April 30th. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Joining me once again is the lovely Anne Brody for Saturday Night at the Movies. And in keeping with our current pandemic situation, she's also bringing us a uh, list every week of what we should be watching, sort of a mood board for movies at home. So what's our mood this week, Anne? At least things aren't this bad. (laughs) So some of those movies you sent me are quite um, startling in time with how things are now. Yeah, and I must say that Threads, the British film from the 80s, is just spectacular. It's about a nuclear attack on on Sheffield um, and the long-term effects of uh, nuclear fallout, et cetera, and on on civilization. It's the most stunning film. I only saw it once, never forgot it, and it seems perfect in terms of the pitch of emotion we all have. Um, you know, if a movie if a movie sticks out for you like that, it must be good, considering how many movies you see. Yeah, yeah, and it's excellent. So all of these are going to be listed on what she said, but we've also got some new movies uh, on streaming services we can catch. So tell me what we can't miss this week. Okay, amazing film that's actually was meant to go out theatrically, but. I think because of the timing and the pandemic and everything, it seems ideal to launch it now. And it's Jeff Barnaby's Blood Quantum. It's about uh, life on a reservation in Nova Scotia uh, during a zombie apocalypse. So now the only people who are immune to the zombies are the Mi'kmaq. So they have all these white people running in, trying to get in, half zombified, you know, about to be, or all the way. And it raises so many issues about history, colonization, natural disaster, all of that. And Michael Gray Eyes, oh, he's fantastic, is in it. Elmaya Tailfeathers, who we've talked about before in Forest Good Luck, who was the son in The Revenant. Uh, great craftsmanship. Um, and of course, the term blood quantum refers to a colonial measurement of blood to figure out how worthy you were, you know, how much Indian were you, how much white, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so, and where can, we, where can people catch that? It's, it's streaming on demand. Excellent. Okay. Ricky Gervais is back. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) Honestly, I love him so much because he's a cat lover as I am. And he's an animal rights activist. And he recently lost Ollie, his elderly cat. And Twitter just came out for him. It was wonderful. Oh God. It's unbelievable. You know how, how sarky he is and how witty he just lets it rip. And of course, things happen in this second series. He's not used to his wife's absence, of course. Um, and people suggest various things to him, like hard drugs and yoga sessions and uh, self-help and all this stuff. None of it works, naturally. And he, he 
let's loose on these practices. Uh, and he becomes great friends with a prostitute, you know, nothing else, just that she comes over for dinner. But it, it, sounds like it's, it looks like a great show. So, but oh you also God, brought funny. me Chris Hemsworth this week. How <laughs> Thor. Yes. He stars in a Netflix film um, called uh, Extraction. And he plays a black ops. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, mercenary. Mercenary. Yes. So now a drug lord in Mumbai's son has just been kidnapped by a rival drug lord. And of course, the, the, the drug lord whose son's lost is in prison and all he can do is send his men out. He's, he says to his men kind things like, well, if you don't get this back, I am having, and these are his loyal employees, I'm having your entire family killed. So <laughs> it's nasty stuff, nasty, but I suppose, who knows if this kind of thing goes on. Anyway, so Chris Hemsworth to, re to the rescue. He's hired. He goes to Bangladesh by reputation and the violence that he creates when he gets there hunting for this child. The city shuts down, for heaven's sakes. So, um, you know, great photography and the stunts and locations. Um, and I think it's like an old-fashioned macho yarn. Well, it looks well. He's all muscled uh, up for it, so uh, and he looks yeah. amazing in it. So that's a must-watch for me. Uh, oh yeah. I have to Here tell you though, I watched the trailer for uh, "Defending Jacob" that you sent me on Apple TV. Oh yeah, chills. Yeah, no kidding. This is really good. Now, Lady Mary's in it. Michelle Dockery. She plays the wife of um, Captain America, Chris Chris Evans, and he plays a lawyer, a defense lawyer whose son is accused of murder. And this raises some interesting issues in that they have secretly always noticed that the boy tends to violence. Um, he nearly bouldered a friend of his when he was like two years old with a big stone. Uh, and they're beginning to wonder whether he is actually guilty of, of killing a classmate. And they deny, deny, deny. Um, the thing is, his grandfather was a multiple murderer. So, you know, all kinds of great questions come up about the nature of criminality and what kind of person would, would do the things in the film. And, of course, Chris, Chris Evans is utterly horrified. Um, and as, as it becomes clear that he may have done it. So, did he or didn't he? Watch. Exactly, exactly. So you have some other great uh, shows on what she said talk this week. Uh, you also have a write-up on Sanctuary, which is on Sundance Now. Uh, That's terrific. Lots of great, uh, great content th out there for people who are still hunkering down and staying at home this week. There sure is. I hope you see everything else that's there. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me, Anne. Thanks. See you soon. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region.
Well, we are all working from home, and joining me now is Dr. Claudia Macchiella from The Wellness Prescription at 105.9 The Region. Uh, our shows are uh, both air on, on The Region. However, we're both working from home and adapting to this new reality. So I thought I'd have Claudia on to give us some tips for uh, working from home. Well, you're right. It is a new reality. And what I'm finding is that my own patients are reaching out to me and saying, I'm working from home or I'm home more, which means that I'm sitting more. Uh, so what can I do to keep my body from feeling like it's stiffening up, uh, feeling like I'm actually, you know, creating a schedule for myself. So I provide a few quick little tips. Um, the first thing I can recommend is, you know what, just hydrate. If all else fails, you need to drink lots of water regardless. So I tell everybody, just hydrate, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Nutrition is really, really important, okay, because I'm finding that, you know, it's wonderful. We're all home, we're all baking, we're all cooking, but maybe we're just eating, baking, eating our baked goods a little too much. Oh, wow, like I can't even tell you. I have been... Um on this uh, carb tour, you know, <laughs> carbs all the time. Give me the bread, give me the pasta. Um, and the other day I went, I hadn't had my jeans on in about two weeks. And <laughs> I yep. was struggling to get those buttons together. And I thought, okay, I need to change this carb thing uh, and start balancing my diet a little more. So uh, great point on hydrating. Um, yep. Probably just keeping a full water bottle at your desk is probably a great reminder. Yeah, just start first thing in the morning. What I do is, if I know I'm going to have a busy day on the phone, on Zoom meetings, I just get myself my water bottle, which I have right here. I plan my fruits and my snacks for the entire day. So this way, before your day even started, you're having healthy foods. So your strawberries, your you know, oranges, your whatever it is that you want, but if, at least you've already designated it for the day. So you have less likelihood to kind of go on to the carb tour for the day. You know, and, and it's interesting that you say that, you know, you plan that out. I think psychologically, uh, we're all looking for things that we can control in our day right now. And that's a really good point is that we can control that. That is something we actually do have control over, unlike a lot of things in our life right now. So getting up and, and taking that step gives us that sense of uh, security probably in our life a little bit too. Here's the thing. There, there's two different schools of thought. I think a lot of people in the beginning were panicked, like, my gosh, what's going on? We're stuck at home. Then everybody kind of settled into this, oh, I'm home. This is lovely. I can be in my pajamas all day. And I think now at the tail end, I think we're like five or six weeks into it and people are like, wow, I need to get out of this situation. So we're going through this roller coaster, but the key is if we keep some sort of normalcy to our schedule, we won't feel as maybe trapped or as isolated as most of us have been feeling lately. Okay, great. So what else do you recommend people do then to, to sort of uh, keep themselves sane in this uh, insane situation. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for just meditating. It doesn't have to take long, you know, a couple of minutes a day, take that time to kind of be with your thoughts. How am I feeling today? Uh, am I feeling happy? Am I feeling scared? I, you know, we have to go through the emotions. It's almost like a grieving where you have to be aware of what you're feeling and why you're feeling it. And then you release it, you let it go. Um, get outside. I know we can't be with our family and our friends, but just get outside. If you have a, you know, be in your backyard, if you're in a condo, just get out, get some fresh air, get on a balcony, 
just change the scene because you can't be stuck in the same four walls all day, every day. It's just not good. Right. And, you know, um, I do think about people a lot, though, who are in places like high rises that may not have a balcony, uh, getting outside may be difficult. And so I think more than ever, that meditation sort of becomes very important because it helps mm -hmm. keep you grounded. Um, the thing with meditation that um, I hear a lot from people is I can't do it. I can't quiet my mind. Um, and I was one of those people for a long time. And, um, you know, I, I found that once I started to allow myself a little more grace and realize that it's okay for my mind to wander as long as I can bring it back. Uh, yeah. and, and those moments of just breathing last sort of throughout the day. So I think people need to be a little more forgiving when it comes to meditation. It's yeah. not, you know, they're expecting this big transcendent, transcendent moment and it's not going to happen, right? It's, no. it's just quieting things. Yeah, and we don't, we don't have to meditate for, you know, 10, 20 minutes. You don't even have to be in a yoga meditative position. Start small, take 30 seconds, then bring it up to a minute just so that you can quiet your mind and you can just kind of bring the breath in and you can sort of start to feel the calm that will overtake you because it's those moments where you start thinking what is going on that you, you, you let your mind wander. So if you can just take 30 seconds to a minute whenever you need it, you really do train yourself. I talked um, the other day about the left brain and the right brain. So right now, a lot of us are operating from our left brain fear activating part. Okay. So the left brain is very logical. It's very like it sees things. The right brain is very intuitive, very caring, very creative. So by meditating for 30 seconds to a minute a day, you bring the two together and you can feel more calm. Right. Excellent. Okay. Uh, next tip. What else should we be doing? So what we should be doing is really reaching out every day, making a point of reaching out to people in your circle. So thank God for social media, for technology. You can plan your Zoom family meetings with extended family. You can, you know, every person in my life has a different um, feeling for me. So if I want to feel reassured, you know, I call my mom. If I want to have a laugh, I call my girlfriend. Um, if I want to just talk about stuff, I call my sister, one of them anyways, and the other ones is not as easy to reach, but I, I, I reach out to different people for different things. And I feel like I kind of get on a schedule where I call mom in the morning, I call friend midday, and then in the evening I, I, I you know, chat with my sister and then that kind of closes my day. It really is like creating a, a safety net, you know, um, and I've noticed that my, I do it with people and friends do it with me and you get these random messages from people. Hey, I'm just checking in. Um, a lot of conversations start with, how are you holding up? Um, yeah. I've noticed that a lot now. Um, so I think that's really important is keep staying connected. And um, you mentioned about having family fun time. Yeah. Family so, fun time. So I am at home with my husband most of the time and our two children. So I have a 13, almost 14 year old and an 11 year old, right? Well, they're at an age where they're not two, so they don't want to spend every moment with me uh, and they don't want to spend, you know, no time with me. So we have like little dance parties where after dinner we put on our favorite music. So we all have a different genre. That we I was like. going to say the playlist <laughs> must be eclectic, right? It is like, I like the oldies, you know, my son likes the rap and my daughter, she's a dancer. So she likes all kinds of stuff. And we just literally dance in our living room, five minutes. We bring up the energy, we spend some time together, music gets off and then it's back to quiet time. 
Okay. And I think that's important. So I, I love that you, uh, you know, one of the points that we were talking about is that, you know, observing what we want to leave behind after this pandemic. And I think that is such a great point. And it is something that I have been really mindful of recently about certain things. You know, I noticed that um, I used to go to the grocery store and sort of go up and down the aisles and it was like therapy time for me. I found it very therapeutic and calming. That's not happening anymore. But what was more important to me was I thought, that's really weird that I found that calming. <laughs> like, I, need, I need a new hobby when this is over. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that I noticed that. So, you know, have you noticed anything in your own life that you sort of want to leave so behind? What I do notice is that we have all of us, and I'm sure we're all in the same situation. We've taken for granted that time that you could go to the grocery store and just kind of browse around and read labels. Um, you spent time doing that when really what we could be doing is just spending more time outdoors. And it's in perfect timing that today is Earth Day. You know, and I thought about it, I looked outside and I thought, wow, like it's spring, the trees are going to start budding, it's going to, we're going to fall into some beautiful like rebirthing time. This is a time for us to also do the same thing for ourselves. Take from this situation what wasn't working previously and push that aside and bring in new things for yourself to appreciate, to do, and to just kind of hold on to them and rebirth yourself as a person. I, I, I have to, I'm so grateful that we're heading into warmer weather. I think this is going to do wonders for people's spirits in general. Um, but your show, The Wellness Prescription, tell me, uh, so tell people where they can catch you and sort of what's coming up on your show and, and, and where they can. Well, listen. you can catch me on the wellness prescription every Sunday at 11 AM. It's a great show. Cause I talk about everything that's related to health and everything is related to health. So this week coming up, I'm going to bring cooking back because we're all home. We're all having to, you know, cook all of our meals. So we're going to talk about how cooking can inspire you, how it can make you healthy, how choosing your ingredients, it's going to be a great show. And I'm going to do Instagram live on Monday. So I hope you'll join in. I'm going to cook a dish um, and we'll see how it turns out. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Claudia. I think we're going to do this again. I love to have, I love chatting with you. Yeah, me too. It was so much fun. Thank you and have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you. Thanks. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. <sighs> Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. <laughs> and accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Laura Wellman is a certified business coach who believes small business owners can make more money, love the work they do, and still have time to enjoy their lives. Through coaching, group programs, workshops, and events, Laura helps business owners get the clarity they need to take the right action for them and their business. So she caught my attention when she said, sometimes the best way to get things done is the easy way. And I immediately said, sign me up. Welcome to the show, Lara. Thanks for having me. 
So let's talk about that. Tell me why, why you say the easy way is sometimes the best option. Well, I mean, I think it starts with the fact that we've all been taught in life to think that the hard way is the right way, that it's, things are supposed to be difficult if we're, if we're going to take pride of, about them, right? So you've probably heard people say that so many times. Like, it's more impressive if she did it all by herself, or if it wasn't challenging, it wouldn't have really felt as good. Like, so and no here, pain, no gain, right? Like, pain. in everything. And so because of that... We all think it's supposed to be difficult. We think it's supposed to hurt. So just because it is, it's easy doesn't mean that it wasn't effective. So should we be, how do we look for or identify easy ways to do things? Well, I think we need to stop, like to just think, what is the path of least resistance? Like what is the easiest way to do this? And then presume that it's good enough to just start going. But if you think of yourself as being effective, and then you did the least amount of things you needed to do to get something done. We need to give ourselves a lot of grace. You know, and there are people, and they're like, how am I supposed to get my work done while the kids are home? How am I supposed to do this? And so, and for everybody, this advice applies is, what can you get done that's the most important thing that's going to feel the best in the time you have allotted? Instead of trying to feel like you have to do everything, pick a couple of things. There's a lot of women right now who are at home and they're probably, uh, you know, reevaluating what they want to do with their careers and their lives when they move forward. Um, and so you say that you can love something and make money from it. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me about sort of that business coaching for you. How do you help women understand that you can have both of these things. It doesn't have to be a struggle. It doesn't have to be that, you know, massive mountain to climb. Yeah, I think a lot of people devalue things that they love uh, and think that it's not worth as much. And so that whole thing, again, of how you think it has to be hard means that if you love it, it isn't, and then it doesn't hurt when you do it, then that wasn't quote unquote work and therefore that's not worth as much money but if you love to write if you love like artists are particularly bad at this right they, like I love painting now like I love it like okay but it also is your job so you, you can make money doing it it doesn't negate the fact that you love it doesn't negate the value that it's worth so what is it that you love can you start figuring out what that looks like you can just start thinking about it but know that there are things that are that feel really good that you can make money for this is the same thing with people who do like charity work and advocacy work and all these things where they're trying to do good in the world and they feel like then they're not supposed to want to make money from it but if you don't make money you can't pay your bills and you can't do the thing okay I just want to touch on that actually one point right now because there are a lot of women who are self-employed own their own business we're obviously in hard financial times and there is always that struggle where we feel bad asking to be paid for our services how do we deal with that in the current climate the first and most important thing to remember is the economy needs us to be making money right making money helps everybody. If nobody is charging money and everybody starts keeping the money that they have in their pockets, that's not helping anything. And the other thing to remember is, yes, there are some, there are a lot of people who don't have as much money as they did before, but there are a lot of people who still have money. Excellent. Okay. So if people want to connect with you uh, for some business coaching or some one-on-one -on -one time, where can they find you? My website is thebiz.studio. That's the website. And then I have a free Facebook group called the Biz Studio Community. And I would love for people to come and join me there too. 
Okay, incredible. We'll put that up on the video that we share on social of this interview. Thanks so much for joining me today, Laura. This was great. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for another week of What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Be sure to follow me on What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. You can also subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify for extended interviews and complete shows. I'll be back next week with more great interviews to keep you entertained and informed as we work together to plank the curve. Somebody gotta, gotta raise a little.